You're listening to Backstage Pass with Alford Media. Your behind-the-scenes look inside event tech and what it takes to turn visions into reality. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Backstage Pass, brought to you by Alford Media. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Thanks so much for joining us, and make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast on any platform that you're listening to Backstage Pass on. That could be Spotify or Apple Podcasts any of the others, make sure you're heading to our website as well for more Backstage Pass content and more information on Alford Media. It's rather unavoidable at this point uh, to not bring it up. Every industry is reeling uniquely from the COVID-19 pandemic uh, that we're in the middle of. The events industry is no different and is most likely one of the ones most drastically impacted. Major sporting events are canceled indefinitely, trade shows are canceled or postponed, conferences moved indoors or also canceled indefinitely. It's a total shift for the industry. On today's episode, we're running a panel discussion with a few key players in the industry to shed some light on the real impact of this pandemic on the events industry. We want to ask the questions, where should we be staying optimistic? How should we adapt? Where do we go from here? So I'd like to welcome our guests, Tom Alford, Executive Vice President and General Manager of Alford Media, Amber Jenkins, President and COO of Snap Event Productions, and Paul Johnson, founder of Paul Johnson Incorporated. Tom, Amber, Paul, great to have you all on. How's everyone doing today? Doing fine. Great. Doing great. It's a pleasure uh, getting everyone online. Um, I'm sure everyone is you know, getting used to the Zoom lifestyle, um, and now we're doing it podcast style. So, it's great getting everyone on. Let's just go ahead and jump right in. Um, I want to start with a broad overview and feel free to chime in with your own personal experiences here or with um, some just broader context on how you've seen uh, colleagues respond during this pandemic. But how has COVID-19 impacted the events industry generally? We can talk financially, short-term projects, long-term projects. Everyone just kind of give your perspective here. I mean, it's been um, pretty devastating, as you mentioned, to the industry. All of us uh, are working to be able to do the new meeting style, which right now is going to be remote for a little while. Uh, Although I think everybody on this call has made their livelihood for many years, 40, from live events uh, out with people. But we'll have a studio set up at our location uh, with LED backdrop, green screen, whatever's needed to do webcasts, to do streaming uh, meetings. Uh, We did find out that we are considered... uh, to be essential and not non-essential if we're doing web streaming uh, and those types of projects. So we have a crew right now setting up a uh, top-notch web streaming facility, uh, also working with all of our producer clients like Amber and others so that if they need it set up at their location or they need to use ours, we can respond to our clients uh, as quickly and as cost-effectively as possible to help people. Uh, I think all of us are looking for the day when we can get back to even having small meetings that's what we're really great at. And uh, that's what we know. I've seen the same kind of thing in our business. Uh, We're pretty well shut down. The other side of this is cash flow um, is that uh, a lot of our vendors are are having um, to wait to be paid uh, or get partial payment. That's what I'm trying to do is at least feed them some. Uh, Also uh, customers, you know, have uh, had to cut back on the amount of uh, payments or the the regular payments. Um, some 
you know, our 60 days and they're going 75 and those that are usually 15 are going 30. So that becomes a little bit of a chess game where you pay some people but don't pay yourselves, essentially is, uh, is the way we're having to operate. And because uh, like Tom mentioned, we're our freelancers and our uh, the people that produce our uh, crew uh, the crew our shows are key to our success. And if we don't care, take care of them now, we can't count on um, you know to take care of us later. But it is cash flow is is certainly a a crucial part of managing business right now. Minimizing costs, you know, you cut subscriptions. You you, you basically just cut every single um, unessential cost that you have, both business-wise and personally. And that's been the biggest impact. Um, and we're doing fine in that process. And everyone understands we're all in the same boat. But it's uh, it's still, you know, you just take it a week at a time. Okay, what's the priority this week? And then next week comes around. Okay, the that that shifted. I've got to I've got to pay rent. I know I've got to pay the electric bill. Those you have to prioritize shift and shift every single week and sometimes daily. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Paul. I mean, we've seen some serious ups and downs in this industry, even in the amount of time that I've been a part of it. You know, economic crisis. We've seen singular sort of tragic events, but I just seeing something like this we haven't seen before meeting in large groups is is what we do it's the core of our business connection and you know pe- being face to face with people and now that there's actually laws against that um it's just it's it's hard to kind of accept um and kind of figure out where we sort of go from here. I mean, I'm I'm very very optimistic, and I think that um, just we as humans crave that face to face interaction. So I know events will be back. Um, but one of the things that um, I'm really trying to kind of think through, and whenever I have an opportunity to talk to somebody else, is what does this look like on the other side? Um, are we still doing those 20,000 person events? Are we doing, you know, do those meetings now turn into waves of meetings where it's a smaller audience and waves? Or, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, when we talk about how COVID-19 has impacted the events industry, it's just really, how has it not? Every single aspect of this, this industry has been affected. Amber, you mentioned, you know, there have been some singular moments that have thrown, you know, a wrench in things, but haven't shaken the industry to its core like this pandemic has. Um, What have been any kind of similar crises that have put a pause on in-person operations like this? Or, uh, you know, has there been anything at this scale that might prepare folks for the realities of of putting a pause on all in-person events because to me the only thing that I can think of would be after 9-11 would be just a general pause on on most events Um, because even natural disasters are pretty geographically um, isolated so even if let's say after a hurricane you know a state or two shut down in-person events in certain areas for a while doesn't mean the rest of the country isn't still operating so has there been anything that uh, has prepared the events industry for something like this, or is it completely unprecedented? I think the closest thing would be would be nine eleven, and the reason why I say that is, 
because although that was in a sort of a, a specific area of the country where that happened, um, its effect on air travel and how people get to events was, um, you know, sort of was also affected, right? And and it's not just the um, it's not just the events not being able to happen. What it really is for me. And I kind of think about the audience that we serve in some of the different events that we that we have. It's how comfortable are you now to get on a plane and then travel somewhere to have this event? Right. That's that's a part of going to an event that everybody just sort of takes for granted. It's like I'm going to buy a plane ticket. I'm going to go to this event. Right. It's going to be great when I get there. I'm going to have this awesome experience. But now there's a little bit of fear and trepidation of even getting to that event, right? So, I mean, I think 9-11 is probably the closest, um, but I, I would say this is just just unprecedented, honestly. Yeah, I think there's no doubt this is the most uh, unprecedented event. I've been at it since 1981. And so, you know, started a company in 89 and many people thought I'd lost my mind because it was a downturn at that time. Uh, issues happening with SNL crisis and everything. And then we had 9-11, uh, like you said, and 9-11 was just an immediate event. But within a week, we had made uh, major cuts and major changes. But we were very confident that by January, we'd be back doing things. And we, in fact, did shows uh, that October, November. Uh, not a lot, but we did. And we did, um, you mentioned doing smaller shows, offered instead of some big ones, we did regional so people could drive uh, after the plane issues. Uh, so there were different I think the biggest thing here is none of us know where that end is. Uh, like you said, the feeling of wanting to fly. Uh, I remember after 9-11, within a week or so, somebody asked me if I was willing to get on a plane. And I said, well, it's the safest it's ever been in my life because everybody's super vigilant. And today you're fighting something you can't see. Uh, you know, a bunch of big guys can't jump on a terrorist uh, when the terrorist is a virus. Uh, so it is it is truly unprecedented. And I think we're having to all look at you know, how is this going to ease back in? You know, when this started, they went to no groups of 50. Within a week, it was 10, and then it was shelter in place. Uh, I think we all kind of assume we're going to get out the same way, but it's not going to be days. It's going to be weeks of we're no longer sheltered in place, but we can only be 10 of us and then 50, and then at some point more. Um, like Amber, I uh, am very positive about the long-term aspects. We've just got to survive to get there. Because I know for myself, just these few weeks, I'm a people person. I like to be around people. Uh, you know, uh, Zoom or video conferencing, web streaming is great, but it's not like looking somebody in the eye. Uh, you know, I'm also a, a hugger and a handshaker. And uh, that's pretty weird when I go to my office and can't uh, greet someone or go see a client who's hurting and talk to them and can't, uh, you know, physically embrace them and uh, be comforting. Just have to look at them from six feet away. But I think one thing will come out of it is, the, yes, we'll do some distance learning and, and, and webcast, but I think it'll show the need for that face-to-face -face even more than we knew prior to this. It's part of human nature, like you said. Well, my position is that if this is going to be a much longer process than 9-11 was. Um, in 90 days, by the first of the year after 9-11, we were we were pretty rocking. I mean, it was like, we got to get things going. I mean, businesses said, we're going to be okay. Let's show these terrorists what we're made of kind of thing. Well, we can't really do that with a virus, but I, 
I, I don't mean to be pessimistic, but I my op, my long term outlook is that based on the 1918 epidemic and you know uh, that there will be a rebound this fall. I'm also very curious to see what happens in the southern hemisphere as they go through their winter season and. Uh, the the virus is essentially dormant because it's summer there if there's a flare up there. This is a global thing. And um just so I'm I'm optimistic that we're gonna get we're gonna get back to work, but I think we're gonna have a hundred person meetings like before the end of the year, but in a three hundred person room, meaning the density that you know, it's just we're going to distance within the ballroom or whatever it is, or if it's, if it's still online. But I do think the value of in-person meetings is not going away. There's nothing like even stand, even standing, you know, six or ten feet away from somebody and having a, an interactive conversation one-on-one is one of the most valuable things about in-person uh, sales events, management meetings, leadership, you know, board meetings. I mean, goodness knows these companies are still having board meetings, but instead of having 50 people in a boardroom, they've got 10. And, uh, and they just cherry pick who is the most crucial decision makers and, in, and people we can get input from so that we can strategize what the next steps forward are and nobody's planning beyond about 30 days. I mean, Tom's probably, I'm not planning anything beyond 30 days, that's for sure. And most businesses, I think, are just like, okay, what are we doing next week? Okay, well, three weeks from now, where would we like to be? And beyond that, it's just like, we just have to see what happens and see what our what the guidance our government gives us, what happens in the rest of the world. And we have a take a really long view of this, that it's not going to be a quick recovery relatively like 9-11 was. And if we're patient, I think we, we will come out of this with, um, you know, embracing this, you know, remote meetings, but also finding ways to have in-person meetings that are safe. And that, that I think is paramount to everything and every decision we make right now is let's take care of each other. And without that, it's just, it's kind of willy-nilly that we're, that we would think that this is just going to magically disappear one day. It's not. I mean, this virus, there is no cure. And the only thing we can do is, is accelerate the vaccine. And we'll see how that goes, but we won't know for months. But I'm optimistic that we will have meetings before the end of the year, just smaller and more of them. Yeah. And I think that poses the uh, unique dynamic where businesses in this space are going to need to both plan for the short term. So figure out what are we going to do um, during this time to diversify our portfolio, keep cash flow going, keep the business afloat, uh, you know, keep our brand recognition up and our, our services high quality. But then also long term, once we come out of this, what will have changed and how does our industry or maybe just our company need to adapt uh, to not only maintain some of the initial long-term client relationships we've kept that are at risk of being lost because of this pandemic, um, but you know, planning for a new events industry that might emerge out of this, like y'all were saying, a little more focused on digital 
and remote events. Um, Let's let's lean into that. I, I want to talk about that dynamic. How are you seeing different businesses prepare for the future right now? Um, what are some of the short-term projects that are on the lineup for that cash flow, for staying um, uh, you know flexible and uh, adaptable during this pandemic, and then the long-term projects that are still on the radar uh, that. Um, you know, you're trying to cultivate those relationships as well as long-term projects that you're trying to anticipate coming out of this pandemic. Right now, in all honesty, there basically is the only cash flow is going out, uh, uh, not in. Uh, we're all uh, struggling to bring that in, but right now it's really uh, limited to things like web streaming, uh, those types of endeavors, which are a tiny part uh, as far as personnel needs, et cetera, to a live event. So, uh, like I said, at Alford, we have a uh, studio being built at this moment uh, for those purposes to have some things happening and more than that to take care of our client. Uh, as Paul said, it's been a week to week and uh, it's very difficult right now uh, to be furloughing people and letting people out. But I think everybody in the industry is focused is to be able to still be viable when this is over. And I think we all are taking uh, months into the future view of this. Um, you know, for myself, the most uh, heartbreaking thing is not hiring people, not having them out there. Uh, I pride myself on uh, taking care of folks and, and having those out. And right now it is somewhat of a one way street. Uh, we are doing, we are on the phone uh, constantly. One, we're tr- we've tried to contact all clients and let them know simply that we're here, check on their well-being, um, and take any input and be helpful in any way we can more from a, a humanitarian standpoint, quite honestly, currently than a monetary uh, standpoint. Uh, we have, you know, obviously all of them, anything that they have that can help them monetarily, we are doing, uh, i.e., like I said, right now it is very limited to distance uh, meeting. But any ideas I'm working on, some I can't even uh, talk about right now because I've been asked not to from some clients working on different projects, trying to figure out new streams of uh, revenue. But uh, for us, for myself anyway, and I think Alfred Media, the focus has been on how to help the industry as a whole. Uh, and that really has been to contact the individuals because that's the ones that are suffering the most. And then as a businessman, uh, doing everything we can to see that we have a, a business for everybody to come back to. A lot of people will not survive this. Uh, it is truly unprecedented. Um, most of us do not have uh, cash reserves that are meant to last for months and months. Um, which is what we're, you know, facing right now. Uh, for myself, you know, Paul was talking about cutting uh, costs and what we're doing. I am also a landlord. Uh, I'm not getting paid for a minimum of the next six months. So there's something I can do to help the overall uh, company and the industry. And to be honest, that's a big part of my retirement, but that's off. The, the, those types of things are off the docket right now. It's right now about preserving the company so that people will have a job when they can and then doing anything to help the individuals under these really trying uh, circumstances. Uh, that is, I believe, the industry focused, and if it's not, uh, it should be, uh, in my opinion. I agree with Tom. It's like anything we can do to help the industry, both clients, vendors, uh, hotels, you know, all the spaces that are, that are having to lay off people is, is important for us. Um, you know, part of what we what we're all doing that we that is we're basically pivoting to 
pick up any revenue, A, but B, any help we can be to anybody. I mean, we're making masks and, you know, you know, I'm no no seamstress, but my wife is, and it's like, well, okay, I can do this part of it, and so you you make a couple of dozen masks and give them away to uh, to those that can't that need them, um, and anything you can do to be productive. I think we're all. I think America as a society is like we're we're here to help, and um, so if we can like we're we're trying to pivot to do more content creation. We've not done that in quite some time, but. Uh, again, my son's um, in the live event, but he does a lot of the design stuff, and he's switching from doing the stage design to doing more After Effects and animation kind of kind of things. So it's that those sort of prudent um, pivots that you're inventing for yourself, just like to put your put your capabilities out there, are key right now. Because not only is it good in the short term, but it's like, oh, well, the Alfreds could do this or Snap could do that because uh, I know they've got the capabilities. Or, or if they don't, they know who does. And that sort of networking thing is always valuable time spent. So that's where I am is reaching out to most everybody I know, whether it be client, vendor, friend. I haven't talked to him or her in 10 years. I need to see what's up with them. So uh, that's that's key to being successful is just connections and continuing to make sure that you stay current with them. Yeah. I, you know, what we're doing, um, we're spending a lot of time um, supporting the clients that we do have right now, kind of with their ongoing needs and uh, just really, like you've said, being there for them. I think that all of us are in this industry because we have a calling to, to serve and you know, right now I can't necessarily serve my clients in a way that um, we're used to doing on the on a live stage and things like that. But there are things that you know that we can do. Just like you mentioned, checking in on them. How are you doing? You know, what can I help you with? Just being there um, and just remaining visible and letting your clients know that you're there for them. But I know for us sort of a short-term pivot is obviously we're really looking into um, webcasting and um, we've even had some clients who have events later in the year who, uh, you know, want to see what that looks like. They're, they're kind of in between. They haven't made the choice yet. Will they still do a live event or are they going to try to go webcast? So I've been doing a lot of kind of um, scenarios for them saying, okay, how can we still have the client experience be great, but we do it from afar? Um, so that, I mean, we've been doing a whole lot of that, but I think, you know, a long-term sort of thing that I've kind of been paying attention to, um, that I kind of think is, you know, maybe the next big thing, I don't know, but, you know, we've always used virtual reality. We know about VR, but I don't feel like it's necessarily been adopted. And I've seen companies like um, like Next VR, um, like they're really kind of changing that. And I think that that's going to kind of come in play with some of our events. Um, you know, maybe we, like you said, we've got the smaller events, but we have a VR aspect to it. Um, that still requires a production team, production staff, people to be on site, things like that. But it'll allow people to experience that event from a more immersive way. 
um, at home or at work or in the office, but that's a little bit a step above a webcast. So we're over here trying to learn as much as we can about it and just try to see if there's ways that we can um, to learn more, figure out how to get ourselves into that space a little bit. So we're trying to do everything we can to prepare for the future. Um, but it's just um, right now, it's just trying to trying to stay afloat. Uh, another set of key conversations that I'm sure are happening are conversations with your clients, um, folks that maybe had shows uh, coming up in the summer that are now being canceled, uh, clients that you were banking on reaching out to schedule things for later in the year maybe are now hesitant to do so. What have conversations with your client base been like and how are they responding to the project being postponed or canceled. Um, are those relationships strong enough to weather this storm? Um, are they you know, trying to plan ahead for next year to try to keep the cash flow going, give you some business? What are those conversations like? I've had to have a lot of um, difficult conversations. I mean, obviously, um, we definitely want to keep producing events, um, but at some point you have to look at the landscape of what's going on and say, is it really safe or prudent for us to be having this event right now? So, um, for instance, we had a client, um, we have a client that had an event scheduled for June and it just felt like, oh, June 9,000 people. I don't know what this is going to look like. And so, you know, having those frank and open conversations, you know, I'm not trying to turn business away, but I'm also trying to, to do the right thing for all of us. Um, so, you know, that, that event was postponed until July and now it's actually been rescheduled for August. Um, which, you know, a couple of weeks ago, August felt like it was long enough, but now I don't really know. So those conversations are definitely ongoing. Um, it is something that we are doing. And like you said, we're taking it on a week by week basis, um, trying to see and, and being in communication with all of the pieces that are a part of this event. It's not just the venue, it's the hotel blocks and it's travel and it's, you know, all sorts of things. So, um, it has actually opened um, opened up conversations and types of conversations, uncomfortable ones that I don't think we've ever really had to have with our clients um, surrounding a circumstance like this. Um, we've got some clients that have other lines of business that aren't live events, and so they're shifting to other things within their business um, and sort of just forgetting about live events right now. So it's it's definitely been interesting these past few weeks, um, trying to just get our footing and see where we kind of fit in, how we can help, what we can do, um, but also still do the right thing for not only the event itself, but for our own team members um, and, and their own safety and their health as well. It's very much the same. I mean, we uh, uh, have had lots of conversations with clients. We try to be extremely reasonable on uh, things like charges, you know, only charging for work that we had actually performed and not even that uh, in some circumstances, uh, post, you know, postponing those charges to a future event that we all hope will happen. Um, it's currently been more around, as Amber said, around safety of both the client and uh, our own crews. Uh, there's a whole lot of us, I think, would be happy to go in and risk some work, but we have to look at the greater, uh, you know, the greater good right now. 
and to just do the right thing. So, uh, like you said, lots and lots of difficult client conversations. Um, they've all been, uh, at, for us anyway, uh, I won't say all, but primarily toward cancellations. And then we have had those that have moved out with hope for the fall. Uh, and even some have already moved through first of year um, with plan, you know, kind of doing double planning. Is it one big meeting? Or uh, we've, I've already talked to a few that are maybe we need to do regionals uh, where people could drive if they felt unsafe otherwise. And um, as I think Paul mentioned earlier, having a, a bigger ballroom that had fewer people in it. Um, those, all those topics have come up with clients. And I think none of us just really know right now uh, you know, how that's going to shake out and what, what's really going to work. Uh, and, and each company is different. Some companies are extremely driven by live meetings and the excitement that they build and their sales and everything and revolve completely around them and some others don't. So I think for everyone, it's, it's very different and we're just trying to make sure we're there to help them as we can. So it's been a while since I worked in uh, the uh, multi-level marketing business. Uh, Tom or Amber, have you guys had any, uh, uh, I don't know, it, is, is that kind of, because the summertime is always when, you know, the uh, all the consultants come or what the industry is. Is that, uh, is that something you think is uh, going to happen this summer? I'm just curious what your what your take is. We don't have as many multi-levels as we once did, um, but the couple that I have talked to and I have some friends that do a lot of it, and they're all, on, unfortunately, on a wait and see. Uh, as we know, there's some very large ones that uh, take place in Dallas. And... My as of last week, some of them had not canceled, but I think they're just waiting to see if it's even uh, feasible. And that's definitely an industry that is extremely driven by the excitement of a live event. Uh, it, it is key to their being. And it, it's kind of an odd thing with those companies. They're usually on a high when the, when the economy is on a low because people are out looking for other ways to make income. And this is going to be a very interesting time, I think, for them, like it is for all of us, but even more. Uh, because they normally do that by getting in front of people and exciting them. And uh, it's it's definitely on hold right now. Uh, be interested to see what they manage to do. All right. To start to wrap up the conversation, um, I want to look ahead a little bit. Um, you know, let's be optimistic. Let's say we're able to make it out of this pandemic and the events industry is more or less intact. Um, folks have adapted and there's now... A, a more diverse portfolio of solutions for events, um, you know, whether that is conferences or sporting events or trade shows. How do you think the pandemic is going to change the industry going forward? And what do you see as being the most permanent changes to either solutions or technologies or client relationships? Well, I... Uh... I think one of the things is it's been difficult on some um, front to get people to adopt digital as a part of a live event um, to make the event bigger or to carry it on because people get in their old way of doing things and, you know, change is uh, difficult. Uh, you know, I'm now one of the old guard, but I kind of pride myself on staying very current and uh, embracing new technologies. Um, but, a lot of associations uh, that my parent company works with and a lot of the companies we work with, when you suggest uh, digital things, have been like, eh, 
we've never really needed them. I think what's going to happen uh, when this is all over is the best of it will be adopted in. It'll become part of our just things that just happen. Uh, of course, we're going to have a, a live feed from the main tent show, and it's going to be put on where people can interact digitally with this uh, live group or interact into the future. But I think what will happen is the parts that we all really hated, we don't know what those are yet, at least I don't. I know some. Um, will drop off, but some of the things that really work well, I think will become part of our everyday life and we won't even uh, think about it. There, there's so many things in live shows that the people on this call do that other people think are really cool and we don't even think about. It's just part of what we do. Uh, I know when I've had relatives in, I can't even explain what I do for a living and then they're at a show and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so complicated. And to me, it was an easy event. I, I think uh, not not in the distant future. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people in the digital space in the last two weeks that the the upside for them is all of a sudden they're really uh, getting spoke to. They're really uh, relevant to today's conversation. So I think we're all going to choose and our clients are going to find things that worked really well and find things that didn't. And this time next year, we can have one of these podcasts and we'll talk about the cool things we're still doing, the, the, the good uh, they're always good and bad, and the good of the, uh, this COVID epidemic will be some of the new adoptions, some of the new ways we found to do things are things we already knew that we got people to adopt and uh, make all of our businesses better. It's hard to see right now, but uh, I think that will definitely be there. Well, part of what I remember from the 90s and then after 2001 was the, it was early, uh, adaptation of remote meetings or, you know, having a, an event with multiple sites and some of the teleconferencing things were going on. And it was all the rage and it was very, it was kind of cool just because it was new and different. But the value of having your entire sales force or your entire management team all in one place where you can have those 10 minute conversations one-on-one -on -one with people is very valuable. And I think uh, the leadership of our clients, you know, the customers that, you know, of businesses that put on these events will continue to see, yeah, we can do a remote thing or a regional thing uh, as a sales event or a management conference or uh, whatever, but the in-person and having, you know, all 3,000 of your salespeople uh, sharing and talking and sharing beverages and meals and reconnecting and making new connections is key to growth in business. And that's what our, I think our clients are going to be looking for is, okay, how do we come out of this and uh, be stronger? And I would agree with Tom that there's uh these remote meetings are going to be the first step of this, but uh, my hope is that come the fall and certainly first quarter of 2021 that uh, we will get a handle on, first of all, the virus, but second of all, the value of having these in-person events. Because if nothing else, trade shows are where, you know, like at Infocom or you know, NAB or any of these other technology uh, trade shows that happen in Las Vegas, which is obviously shut down, um, are key 
to the year's success and because uh, that's where a lot of sales happen and every business is sales driven and so whatever the leadership of these companies can do to enable that such as meetings is such as you know just doing remote conferences uh, is going to be the key to restarting businesses um, along with you know all the other tools that we don't know about going on yet there's a lot of things I'm sure they're in the works that it's like, we never tried this, let's see how it works. So we're, I think we're all game to try most anything at this point. Yeah, I think that um, events, uh, you know, involving more of a digital aspect, webcasts, you know, w- what have you, I think there's a big opportunity going forward for these to become um more robust. I mean, what we have now is great and it gets us through, but there's so much opportunity there. Um, And I think that there are ways that they can, um, that these types of technologies can really complement live events. So um, I'm I'm excited to see kind of how that evolves and and how that changes our live events. And then, you know, just on, um, I guess, a little bit of a logistics level, um, I think going forward, I mean, we might see things like, you know, new fire marshal regulations, kind of to your point, Paul, about how, you know, we might have 100 people in a ballroom, but we can really fit three or 400 people. So, you know, now will our theater seating change the distance we have to have between seats and how many people we can pack into these places. So I think that that will probably be something that will change. Um, But I, I, I'm really, um, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of where this all nets out because I, I know that live events will come back. Um, they will be back. It's just at the core of all of us. Um, but, you know, watching kind of this industry shift and pivot, I mean, that's that's what we do all the time. And I know that we've got some innovators that have something on the cusp that's going to make this um, turn this this really kind of devastating thing into a positive for our industry and for a lot of people. And one of the, uh, I guess, sayings that I always kind of live by in this business is that, you know, information is fairly easy to share. You know, my computer geek friends um, who like to get all their information on the internet or on an email, but inspiration and excitement, it takes a live audience. It's hard to be exciting uh, it's the reason we still go to a movie theater. It's the reason we still gather for uh, our sporting events is the, you know, the excitement, the inspiration of hearing a great speaker live. It just cannot be replaced. Uh, I believe it is a core part of the human makeup. And quite frankly, it's why I've been in this business since 1981. Uh, there's nothing like live to inspire people, uh, to get creative ideas going, you know, sitting around with a group of folks live and discussing exciting things. There's just something that cannot be replaced uh, on this podcast or, or on a computer screen. Uh, there's an inspiration there that I think is a key part of human nature and a main part of why Tom Oliver's been able to make a living for all these years. I think that's a great way to put a pin in this episode. Folks, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your thoughts on Backstage Pass. Again, we've been chatting with Tom Alford, Executive Vice President and General Manager of Alford Media, Amber Jenkins, President and COO of Snap Event Productions, and Paul Johnson, founder of Paul Johnson Incorporated. Tom, Amber, Paul, thanks for uh, joining us on the episode. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It was great.
And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Backstage Pass. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're subscribing there. You can also find our podcast at our website, alfordmedia.com. There you can also find videos, articles, and more information about Alfred Media's services. And make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.